Hello everyone. Welcome to Evil Pudding, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Courtney. And I'm your co-host, Patrick. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? I'm freaking irritated, dude. I know. <laughs> I know you are. You're red. <laughs> it has so many... Every week is the same technical issue and it takes me forever to fix it and it's just so damn frustrating. <laughs> Because it happens every time. See how much we love y'all, all the stuff we go through. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> just to I just be want here. one time where I don't have to reset all the audio settings and all the recording information. What's real fun is when we sit down and we record a two-hour podcast and then it gets lost. And now we're literally recording this one on our daughter's laptop that's barely able to run Microsoft Word. It, ha- <laughs> it has little anime stickers on the back it- of it. <laughs> I'm laughing. Because <laughs> my other one took a, a doo-doo. So I had to basically reboot, restart, and reset the put. whole computer. But but we're here, right? Yeah, we figured it out. We figured it out we're here and we're ready to have some fun. It's okay. been a day. I'm just going to drink a little more than I normally do. Oh my gosh. I have my Diet Coke. That's going to be fun. <laughs> it's been a day. Yeah. You had that on to work and you're like, good Lord. I know. I burned my eye today. I know you did because that's what you do. I was in the kitchen. I have an Instapot. If you don't know what that is, it's like a pressure cooker. It's perfect for like families that eat at different times. Oh, it's great for families of like four or five people. Yeah. Cook a whole bunch of food in like 20 minutes. And it can stay warm like as long as you need it. So I was depressurizing it and some boiling hot liquid spurred out the top into my eyeball. The contact, my contact protected my eyeball, but I have a blister around my eye. So that's fun. I'm going to be nice and I'm going to look like I got punched in the eye this weekend. That's okay, though. We're here. <laughs> Barely, but we're here. <laughs> so, you ready to get started, Pat? Uh, fuck it, sure. Is my mic okay, by the way? Yeah, you just keep moving it and then moving your body away from it. Oh, yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> that's my thing. Um, before we get started today, I wanted to take the time to shout out a cool new podcast that we found. It's called Down Home Murder, and I have been loving it. The host, uh, Tamara, she makes you feel like you're having a glass of wine with your BFF, catching up on all the true crime gossip around town. Her sense of humor is right up my alley. So I highly recommend you head on over to Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or Google and subscribe to her because I know you will all love her as much as I do. With that said, let's get right into it. Okay, guys, Patrick has no idea what I'm talking about today. For the first time in a while. For the first time in a couple of, couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, because I, I, you couldn't hide Hanson from me because I've couldn't seen the movie and I knew that story. You yeah. couldn't hide the Salem Witch Trials because that was easy. Yep. Ted Bundy, we knew we were doing. Yeah, and all the preparation. It was hard for me to do that in secret. Um, today is going to be a doozy. We are going back into a savage time in American history again. Oh, because everything we've done hasn't been savage yet? <laughs> there is really, truly a no better, no better of a place to find some evil pudding than in U.S. history, I'm finding. <laughs> and guys, this story is crazy. It's bonkers. You think I would stop being shocked by people after delving into the most evil people for all these years, but I never cease to be amazed at how bonkers some of these people can be. Today, we are hopping in our time machine. That's the sound a time machine makes. Your face right now. I don't know whether to just shake my head in disappointment or just just continue on with what we're doing right here. (laughs) 
<laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop is the sound whoop, of time whoop, machine makes. Whoop, whoop. You yep. know what? We'll roll with it. Okay, yeah. We'll go just, with it. Just go with it. So we're hopping into our time machine that goes whoop, whoop, and we're heading into the Wild West. <gasps> we're killing multiple people. It was just commonplace back then, so you know this guy's going to be a doozy. Yeah. If you see what you're talking about, like a crazy person back then, they used to shoot each other in the streets over just for, on a Tuesday. Over like a, over like a beer or like a prostitute, yeah. they'd be like, oh, that's mine, and shoot each other. But this guy's going to chill you to the bone. So let's go on talking about Levi Boone Helm, better known as the Kentucky Cannibal. Great. <laughs> Hold on to your boots, little doggies, because this one's going to be crazy. I'm sorry. It's what been a long heck? day. Okay. You're from Texas and you still do that? <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable and tired. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit delirious. All good. So, Levi Boone Helm, we, he's just called Boone, so we're going to call him Boone, was born on January 28, 1828 in Lincoln County, Kentucky. He was one of 11 brothers and sisters. Yeah, there was no TV back in those days, so nothing else to do but make babies, right? That's what they did. His parents, Joseph and Nancy, were by all accounts wonderful people. They were hardworking farmers just trying to get by. Back in those days, honor honor was very important, and they were just good, honorable people. So, so were all of Boone's brothers and sisters. They'd all go on to make something of themselves. When news, when news came through about the settlements opening up in Missouri, the Helm family packed up and loaded their wagon train and moved. Why does it got to be Missouri? I know. Why is it always Missouri? It's everywhere. So don't don't just think it's just Missouri. He he gets around. Back then it's Missouri. Yeah. Even now it's never mind. I'm not going to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Fucking Missouri. In Miss, what did Missouri do to you? <laughs> I lived there for a while. That's what it did to me. Oh well, that was different. That was at an army base. Well, if you ever been to St. Roberts, Missouri, you understand the misery. Oh, it's miserable? Okay, well, I'm sorry. And There's if you're from St. Roberts, I'm sure that you have different experiences you than might him. not be listening to this because you probably don't have a computer or a radio. That's a little... That's overgeneralizing just a tad. Just a tad, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> lying when I'm telling you it's a tiny little army town that has like a Walmart, a couple hotels, a Ruby Tuesdays. Oh, I like me some Ruby Tuesdays. And some, like, 18 up strip clubs and dance clubs. 18 strip clubs. That's it. That's all it has. Well, back in these days, Missouri was booming. So news came through about settlements opening up in Missouri, and the Helm family, they were farmers, they packed up and loaded their wagon train and moved. In Missouri, they made a good name for themselves, and their children grew into hardworking, honest people, just like their parents. All of them except Boone. By the age of 10, he was taller than most men, and he was built like a brick house from doing manual labor on his father's farm, which he hated, by the way. He hated working. He stayed hated hating work, just in general. He was lazy. Preach, my friend. Just preach. <laughs> because he looked older, he associated himself with like older kids around town, and he demanded respect from them. We're talking a 10-year-old. <laughs> when he didn't get it... Using his colorful language, he would take it by force. He had no good nature about him. He was incredibly violent from a very young age. He wasn't just a bully, no. He would fight to the death if you let him. Like, he had to be pulled off people as to not kill them. In fact, he was so bad that he 
um, when he was pulled away from his opponent during a fight, he would seek out and try to beat up the person and kill them who pulled him off. So the person who pulled him off his opponent, he'd seek them out and try to kill him later. I mean, he was bad mamba jamba. Really bad. Yeah. So he had a temper, right? Something, something was just way off with him because this was from, like I said, a very young age. The town was amused by the strength of this kid, so much so that he would put on exhibitions like wrestling and boxing matches for the town's entertainment. Hmm. <laughs> you never had to twist his arm to fight. He didn't necessarily like the attention. He didn't care, but he loved hurting people. That was his thing. He was a sadist and a psychopath by definition. Especially displaying um, these characteristics as early on. He was really skilled with a Bowie knife, too. Because <laughs> that's what this kid needs, right? A weapon? <laughs> he's 10 years old he's, he's skilled 10. with a Bowie knife, which, if you don't know what a Bowie knife is, it's not a small blade. It's not a small blade. But this is a really cool trick, actually. See if you can kind of close your eyes and envision this. His favorite. You're going to say, see if you can do this. I'm <laughs> like, hold on. Do it real quick. We find, we find a, I got a machete. Does that count? <laughs> You're going to need a horse, too. Oh, no, I don't have one of those. <laughs> his favorite trick was to throw his Bowie knife into the ground while charging along on horseback. Then he'd jump off the horse, snatch the knife, and remount again before the horse had a chance to slow. That's pretty skilled. I guess they needed some sort, some form of entertainment back then, and this was it, you know? Yeah, yeah. probably done dumber shit than that, so. Probably. As Boone grew into a teenager, he was just downright scary, obviously. In fact, his own dad, Joseph, wouldn't speak to him in fear of angering him and him flipping out. His mother was said to be heartbroken over the man her son had become. He wasn't raised to have such anger inside of him. Aside from fighting, though, Bood's other true love was drinking. Whiskey was his jam. He plied himself with it every single day and night, which got him into plenty of trouble, as you can imagine. No, he's sober and trying to fight, beat, and kill you everybody. Can imagine, you can imagine what yeah. happens when he's drinking. He was not a happy drunk, we'll say that. And anything would probably set him off at that point. So, inevitably, the sheriff there hated Boone. <laughs> Can't imagine why. What? <laughs> no surprise there. He had been in tons of trouble over the years, and he'd spent many nights sleeping it off in lockup after bar fights. The sheriff was finally able to get uh, the judge to sign a warrant for Boone's arrest after being in so much trouble and getting away with it for so long. So what did Boone do? When the sheriff went to uh, serve him the warrant, Boone demanded to know who signed it. And like he threatened the sheriff and bullied him into telling him who signed off on this warrant. And the sheriff was like, oh, shit, okay. So he gave him, <clears throat> excuse me, he gave him the judge's name. And Boone rode his horse to the judge's house, screaming and threatening him. This worked, and the judge waived the charges. <laughs> so everyone was literally scared of Boone, as even law enforcement. I mean, it's it was crazy. There's no rules back there. There's no rules. At 20 years old, all of his brothers and sisters had made something of themselves, but Boone was left alone. They had all moved off. One of his brothers, a couple of them moved to Texas, actually. And he was just kind of left alone, still living at home and kicking ass around town. He had no desire to work, and he just drank away every single penny he ever made. But at 20 years old, it was time to get himself a woman, a wife. So he set his sights on 17-year-old Lucinda Browning. 
He had had a, a bad reputation with the women around town, as you can imagine. Yeah. So he struggled to make her believe that his intentions were decent. But he's a master manipulator, and he eventually did, and she agreed to marry him. Excited to get rid of their son, Boone's parents were like, yay! And they even helped to buy the couple a house after their, like, right before their wedding. <laughs> They're like, here, live here, oh, bye. Oh, oh, so happy for you. Bye, come back, close the door. Peace. So they were ready to get him out ASAP. At the wedding ceremony, Boone got so drunk that Lucinda had to carry him to bed some wedding night. But get this, the next morning, so the morning after their wedding, she woke up early and made her new husband breakfast, and Boone came out and sat at the breakfast table and was pissed. He accused Lucinda of denying him sex on their wedding night. She was, like, speechless. I mean, it was, like, it was his fault. What are you talking about? Unfortunately, he proceeded to rape her that day, and she spent the rest of her days with him as a beaten and battered housewife. She would spend her nights being vomited on, um, vomited on due to her husband's overindulgence in whiskey. It was just a bad situation all around. She was miserable, but back then you did not dare get a divorce and ruin your family's reputation name, and honor. Name, yeah. You just didn't do that. Shot his ass. <laughs> One of Boone's favorite things to do was, <laughs> this is crazy. His favorite thing to do was to let his horse run around their small home like a pet. The fuck? So, let me say that again. <laughs> he brought his horse inside and let it eat and run around destroying things. Like, he would be sitting, eating breakfast at the table, letting the horse eat as well. The horse would take dumps everywhere, as horses do, and Lucinda had to clean it up. And if she failed to clean it up to Boone's liking, she was beaten. I'm about to say, like... You ever ridden a horse or been around horses? They don't exactly let you know they got to piss or take a poop. They, they just go they while just, walking. They'd be walking and just let everything go. And they're go not off. small poops either. No, and that's horses. in your house. Yeah, and they stink. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, this guy was crazy. I'm just trying to set the stage at how nuts he is. You've set the stage pretty damn well. <laughs> Thank you. I tried. It was just common to see Lucinda around town, unfortunately, with two black eyes. She was another battered wife, unfortunately, and it wasn't a crime then for husbands to keep their woman in line. No, I mean, and this is just a really random side note, but, mm -hmm. you know, you can look up common laws, mm -hmm. like historic common laws that still exist. And I think it's Missouri mm -hmm. or one of the states surrounding it. It's still legal to beat your wife on the steps of the courthouse between certain hours some, on a I Sunday. I remember that. I remember that. It's, and it's I don't know like which common, state it is. It's like in New Jersey, it's illegal to shower outdoors in a bathtub. In Florida, it's illegal to molest alligators. That's what I'm saying. It's so much random stuff. But to give context to that, like it's still to this day public law. Is, there's a couple states it's legal to like beat your wife on a Sunday on the court as long as it's on the courthouse steps. What always got me about the molesting alligators would. They wouldn't have made that a law unless someone did it. <laughs> it's Florida. I mean, come on now. But I mean, even even the, the saying, the rule of thumb. Yeah. That comes from where it was legal to beat your wife with a stick or something like that, as long as it was no wider yeah. than the, your thumb. Yeah. I mean, just so stupid. The most asinine laws So it means 100% legal just beat it dog crap out of your wife to keep her in line back in the wild west days <laughs> jesus in the american expansion and that's what and we're picking out a crazy person back then in a time where it seems like everybody was crazy everybody's crazy 
So Lucinda resolved herself to the fact that she would probably be killed by Boone one day, and that was the only way out of this hell she was in. It's so sad. What's worse is that Luc Lucinda soon discovered that she was pregnant. However, it would all work out for her in a way. A few of Boone's drinking buddies convinced him to leave town for a while with them to go mining to make some good, quick money. Like a summer job. So while he was gone, Boone's mom and dad helped Lucinda pay a lawyer to file for divorce. Like, their, his mom and dad were like, yeah, we got to save our family's name. Yeah, but this ain't a dude you just divorce and hang out. Like, no. Divorce and clear the And his to, parents like, knew that. His parents knew that. They felt that they had to do so to keep their family's integrity and try to clean up the mess that their son had made. When, I mean, that's respectable. Oh, it's very... They were good people I mean, by all accounts. very respectable. Like, they're like, dude, this dude's a piece of shit. Get away from I'm him. I'm so sorry. We'll take care of this to get you clear of it. When Boone returned, he was pissed. And there was nothing he could do. But, I mean, he was pissed. So he left um, to go live with his parents on their farm. But the farm had been sold to pay for his divorce. And his parents had moved off to California to escape the embarrassment that he has, he had caused them. They probably him. took her and the grandbaby. Yep. And were like. Well, no, she stayed in the house. She got the house. She's nuts. Why would you stay there? I, that's what I thought. I would skip town and change my name. Like, I would be so afraid that he came back and was like, oh, you divorced me and my parents helped? You're dead. But there was nothing I don't think that ever happened to her, so. After that. That's just really weird with everything he's done. Like, the horse poops on the ground and in his house that he brings in and she beats her for it. Like, yeah. You would think he divorces her. Like, Makes no sense. I'd be terrified of what he would do. And also, I mean, think he destroyed his parents' literal life work by just being an asshat. It's just awful. So, Boone was on his own now. And he was desperate for someone to hang out with and connect with. I think it was more so to take advantage of. <laughs> He discovered through writing letters to his siblings that he had a cousin in Missouri nearby named, this is a cool name, Little Barry Shoot. That was his real name, Little Barry Shoot. Gotta have some Native American in him, I would think. I, I, would, I would assume so. Once they connected, they started drinking together, and they even started to get into some barroom brawls together. Little Barry may have been wild, but he wasn't nearly as bad as his cousin. He was more so just young and stupid. He was young you know? and stupid, got some drinks, got some, and no yeah. one could talk him down. No one could, exactly. like, say, no one could disrespect him. He'd fight everybody kind of thing. Also, Not crazy douchebag. Right, yeah. No, no one was like him. Also, during this time, the California gold rush had begun, which, if you're not too familiar, this was the discovery of gold in California that brought thousands and thousands of people from the U.S. and abroad to claim their share. Yeah, like literally everybody that lived east of like Texas and Oklahoma go yeah. oh. just went. And anyone could go. Everyone went to California. Yep. They flocked out there for because of the gold. And they were paying back then tons of money for finding gold. Yep. Even to look for it, they were paying tons of money. So everybody went out there. Well, this also intrigued Boone. And he wanted his cousin Littleberry to join him in relocating to California to mine for gold. So Boone went to Littleberry's house with all of his belongings already packed up to convince Littleberry to leave with him. Mm -hmm. But Littleberry had uh, started to become leery of his cousin, and he started to scare him a little bit. But you scared <laughs> shit out of me. I don't want to go with you. So he refused to go. Littleberry said no. This pissed Boone off, and he just outright took out his knife and stabbed him straight through the heart. Oh. He killed his cousin in his cousin's own home for just saying no. I don't want to go. 
Boone would later say that he didn't even realize he stabbed him. It was just like his body just went through the motions. Like a fit of rage. But this would be the first of many murders that Boone was about to commit. It's not wrong. Yeah, you just killed his cousin in cold blood like it was nothing. Like, what do you expect? Yep. So Boone pulled his beloved Bowie knife out of his cousin's heart, took his belongings, and headed for California. And no, he didn't feel guilty about what he had just done. He didn't care. He just knew that he needed to get out of Dodge before the law came after him. Yes. And he... And he had plenty of time since it would take the law a few days to find his body. So he headed out on horseback. This dude just stabbed. He's like, all right, cousin, let's go to the gold rush. He's like, nah, bro, you're a train wreck. I'm not going with you. He's like, all right, fuck you. You're dead. Stabbed. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go anyway. Bye. Bye. Hopped on his horse in Missouri to ride to California. And it was perfect. I don't think he had told anyone that he was going. So. I mean, just the fear, just the pure fact in, in thinking in my head, like, to oh, hop on my horse in Missouri mm-hmm. to ride to California. Oh, I know. He's crazy. <clears throat> but a lot of people did that back then. I know, but it just, <coughs> it baffles me how that was just like, cool, let's do it. I'm like, I don't even want to drive to California. No, that's a trick. So now at this time, Boone had very little experience out in the frontier, and he hadn't rationed or planned on having to run from the law, so he was ill-prepared. He tried to hunt during his trek in order to feed himself, but he didn't have any luck. It was hard work, and we all know Boone doesn't do hard work. <laughs> I mean, and that and his way of doing things is <clears throat> excuse me, up close and personal, just run up on you and beat you up and stab you. You can't do that for exactly. like deer and cattle and nope, pigs can't do and that. wild hogs and whatnot. Yeah, so he was kind of shit out of luck. Soon, Little Barry's body was discovered back in town, and the law was on Boone's tail. When they finally tracked him down, which, by the way, was easy to do, seeing as how he was slowing down due to dehydration and starvation and kind of going in circles, he was lost. They found Boone right outside of an Indian reservation, and they didn't find him in good shape. His clothes were hanging off his body. He had lost so much weight. He was talking to himself and unresponsive when spoken to. It was like he had lost his mind. They loaded Boone up, and on the journey back, Boone reportedly, he would just burst out into fits of laughter, and he would throw himself from the horse and run off into the woods just for no apparent reason, causing the jailers to stop and have to reload him back on the horse. They all felt really sorry for this guy who was once such a badass around town and he had dwindled down to nothing and had just gone stark raving mad. There wasn't a single lawman really willing to hang a madman. That was only reserved for the same. Now Boone seemed weak, feeble, and harmless. What's what's hilarious, and it's kind of, not hilarious, but it's kind of in correlation to a lot of things we talk about in a lot mm-hmm. of our episodes is, you know, I don't want to you know, downplay law enforcement or the judiciary system. Mm -hmm. I can never say that. Um, No, it's But, I mean, there's been failures in a lot of these cases, right? Oh, yeah. The irony right here that I'm seeing is if they had just... Hung him. No. Let him go. Like, didn't chase after him? Mm -hmm. His ass would have died out there. Oh, maybe, yeah. He would have died probably within a day if he was was that, like... No, weak you're and lost right. and mentally broken and just his clothes are falling off. He's he's literally on the death on the brink of death. See, I was thinking the opposite. If they would have just hung him, then none of the rest of the story would have happened. Yeah, but I'm looking at it as like they actually went and got him and kept they they saved him from dying out they on did. his horse. They saved somewhere. his life. 
Yeah. And then they brought him back, and then obviously they're going to nurture him back to health because he's mentally unstable, they think, mm-hmm. and they feel bad for him, blah, 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 blah. And that is just, it's irony to me that, you know, the jailers and law enforcement actually brought about the ability for him to continue whatever oh, he I know. does next. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. So he ended up back in Missouri, damn it. <laughs> he's well, like, they, oh. The Missouri people went and got him. Yep. So back in Missouri. He was brought before the court and sentenced to life in a mental institution out east. It was there that he was the model patient, gaining the utmost respect from other patients and staff. So much so that on his daily walks around the hospital grounds, he would, by the way, this, these hospital grounds were out in the middle of nowhere back then. He was able to be unsupervised during those walks around the grounds. Yeah, they're like, where, where, mm-hmm. where the fuck are you going to go? Where, I mean, where, yeah. After all, what was he going to do? Escape into the vast wilderness? <laughs> the asylum was, like I said, out in the middle of nowhere. Anyone who escaped would die. Well, Boone escaped. <laughs> the hospital attendant that was supposed to be watching Boone didn't even report him missing because he didn't want to lose his job. Yeah, it was like, mm, I don't want to report him missing. So by this, the time that the hospital even realized he was gone, Boone was days away and presumed, just presumed dead. So just to recap, this is what I think happened. He feigned insanity from the time he was found out in the wilderness to the time he was able to escape. This was a long con for him. I don't think so. I think he. I think he did. I think he obviously I, did. I think no. I think it was a, it was a situation of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they grabbed this dude. Oh, you thought he did go temporarily mad? Yeah, he was beyond dehydrated, probably yeah. behind, beyond starved. Like he was probably literally That's a possibility too. on the brink of death. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever, you know, researched that, and you know, I know you have, and you've looked into those things, it drives a person mad. Mm-hmm. So he was probably absolutely mad with starvation and dehydration. I just thought that I just think he's a psychopath. And, and then I, he went I there and was like, was got mad. back to health, and he's oh, he is a psychopath clearly. Mm-hmm. But I think in that moment he was temporarily. Temporary insanity. Ins- insane because of the circumstances. Yeah, because they didn't find him fit to Starvation. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, this dude's a, he's broken. Let's just send him over here to get fixed for life. Yeah. He doesn't, need to, he doesn't need to die. And then he was there, and he was like, okay, I'm back to my normal self. I don't belong here. <laughs> he snapped out of it. Fuck y'all, I'm out. Peace, bitches. Like, makes, makes sense. So, Boone's out there on his own, isolated in the wilderness, miles and miles away from civilization without any supplies or provisions. He would have been as good as... As dead, if it wasn't for a little luck and the kindness of strangers. Which, by the way, unfortunately, we will see Boone encounters a lot of kind people when he's in need. And, and unfortunately, he just takes advantage of every single one of them. He's only looking out for himself. Well, look, this is already the second time in the story you're saying he's had a little bit of luck and encountered kind people. Yep. Now, the jailers weren't kind people, but it was luck that they caught him before he died out there just roaming oh, yeah, the desert. Absolutely. Or roaming the plains. But he will horse. encounter some kind people that save his life, and he just could not care less. He's in it for survival, and that's it. Well, he's, he's, a, he's an animal. He's, he's a an animal, yeah. And people just keep saving him because they think Extremely he's a normal person. Because by the time they see him, he's probably... The same situation over and over. He's probably like starving, dehydrated, you know, just stranded, disheveled. And they're yeah. like, oh, I feel so bad for this dude. Let me help you. And then they get right. back to help. And he's like, surprise, bitches. Like, here's, I'm a murderer. Here's Johnny, like, <laughs> hacking at their door with an axe. Here's like, Johnny. <laughs> Anyways, he eventually ran into a lone prospector heading out west to join the California gold rush. There was lots of them. Everybody was running out west. Yeah. This older man was kind enough to feed him, give him water, and a place to lay his head at night. But Boone just took advantage of him, as he does. 
This prospector caught Boone going through all of his belongings in search of valuables to steal. The man asked him, like, dude, can you stop? And he tried to reason with Boone. That was his first mistake. Well, you have to remember, and you brought this up in the very beginning, even when he was 10 years old, Boone was bigger than everybody else. Yeah. He was a very physically imposing man. Yeah. So a typical... Back then. A typical and when you see... I'll post a picture of him here and be like, he was big. Well, he was little. We're I talking 200 years ago. Short back then. Or 100, 100 to 200 <laughs> years ago, like, that tall guy was like 5'8". Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So... It's just it's important to remember that you like you described him as a physically imposing guy mm-hmm. even when he was ten. So by the time he's at this age, he's definitely bigger and larger than most people. So they're yeah. going to try to reason with him because they're like, "This dude could you beat could, the shit out of me." You <laughs> like, could hand I ain't my trying ass to fight to you, me. bro. I ain't, I ain't trying to fight you. I ain't trying to fight you. You go, you go with my ass. So let's just talk about it. So he tried to reason with Boone, which he learned quickly that's not the way to go. And Boone just beat him to death with a rock. Let's see. He continued beating the man long after he was dead, completely turning his head to mush. So Boone had started the evil day. Pudding. Yeah, evil pudding. So Boone had started the day with nothing and ended the day with new clothes, water, and enough supplies and cash to last him the journey out west. I was about to say this dude probably had enough to get to California yeah, for himself. He did. He even had a donkey now and a tent, uh, and a tent to shelter in throughout the night. Boone only cared about one thing, survival, and he would survive no matter the cost. That was what he did. I don't even know it was about that. That dude was just a monster. Well, that's what he said. That was his thing. Like, I survived no matter what. Now we are about to see how this dude differs just from other bandits of the time. Because right now, he's kind of like most other bandits. Right. To, your, to your point, you know, Wild West, mm-hmm. everybody is, you know, this is Oregon Trail into the California Gold Rush. This is this whole period of time where the westward expansion is happening. Yeah. So you've got caravans of people. You've got, you know, families, individuals, whatever. And you whatever, have bandits taking advantage yeah, of them. whatever size group, whether it's hundreds of cattle and, and wagons or it's a couple. You've got bandits. You've got horse thieves. You've got mm-hmm. everybody just trying to steal, rob them. They'll murder them. They'll take everything from them. And so it's going to have to tell you something about Boone if he was able to make a name for himself and was feared amongst the bandits of the time. Yeah. And if you want to see what that's like, watch the movie or the TV show 1883. Oh, that's a great show. I did think of that when I was watching this. It reminds me of that, thinking about all that fantastic show, by the way. Fantastic show. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. So um, Boone traveled out of uh, Missouri, never to be seen there again. If he crossed paths, with paths with any lone traveler, tra- blah, 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 travelers, spit it out, spit it out, Courtney. He would just kill them and steal all of their belongings. So mm-hmm. just like most bandits, still he's no different yet. And he's just living out on the yeah in the plains and the in the, the routes out to the California. He's going to California. He's just stealing and killing his way out there. Right. Before long, he stopped crossing paths with other travelers, and his supplies began to dwindle. So he butchered his do- donkey and he ate him. Mm-hmm. Out of desperation, yeah. And when the donkey jerky had run out, he just kept trekking along, waiting for the next unfortunate soul to be his victim. Donkey jerky? What does this dude have a dehydrator with him? It said, all my research said he would make, people would make jerky out of donkeys and... I never really made jerky. Sometimes horses. Don't know how they did it back then. They probably did it easily. They probably probably just dried out the meat and salted it. I can research that more and get back to you. Eventually, Boone came upon a hunter out on the range. Boone killed him with one single rifle shot from the hillside. He never saw it coming. His initial intention was to rob him, I believe. Well, it's probably easier to shoot him and then rob him. When he found the man's camp, he was furious to find that the hunter had not been productive. 
in his hunting. This he had no food. Bastard didn't yeah. kill anything. A fire was burning there. Like he was ready to cook his meat, but there was nothing to cook. Yeah, you killed him before he could finish his hunt. Yeah. Like I said before, Boone was bound and determined to survive, no matter what it took. Oh, Lord. So he resorted to the unthinkable. As he looked at the dead hunter's body, his belly literally burned with hunger. He was starving. I unfortunately have never been in the position where I was unable to eat for such a long time that I felt desperate. <laughs> so I can't relate. But Boone was there. He was at that point. I, I have never been to the point where I looked at somebody and said, I'm going to eat that person. <laughs> Me neither. I can't imagine. I mean, I, I've never been that hungry. I'm, I'm very, I have. I'm very fortunate, but. I have, and most of most of my friends out there and people we know in the military community, mm-hmm. we've gone to certain levels of, like, sleep and, and food deprivation. Yeah. Um, whether it was intentional or training or, you know, overseas, or, you know, combat zones, yeah. whatever. We've all been through it at a level. At no point was I ever maybe at the point when I looked at a human being or a dead body and was like, mm. I'm going to eat that. Doritos. Like, like no. <laughs> so Boone was starving quite literally to death. So he took out his knife, crawled over to the man's body, and started hacking off the corpse's clothing, peeled away the skin, carved a chunk of muscle, and roasted it over the fire before tasting it. He was obsessed with the taste, apparently, because over the next few hours, he carved up and ate at the man until he was stuffed. He would later say that he felt like a god after eating the man's flesh. Like it awoke something inside of him. Forensic psychology looking into that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. It's like a power over another human being. Yeah. that Oh, that's what he is all about. Yeah. I mean, they, not only, he was starving, so he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, ooh, this is pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'm really hungry. and This doesn't taste bad, so I'm going to eat some more of it. And then he was like, I did that to another person. Mm-hmm. Like, power. Power. I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm a god compared to you. I'm way above you. Yeah, and animalistic instincts. Well, I mean, he's already animalistic. When the morning came, he helped himself to his victim's belongings and set off, belly full, to continue his journey. He traded a bunch of his stolen supplies for a horse. He had been traveling by foot up until now, up after the donkey. And he made his way into California, where he would settle for a time. He finally made it to California. So in California, Boone met up with three of his distant cousins named John Ham and William Johnson. I love the name Ham, by the way. <laughs> is that short for anything? Ham? Or is that just a standalone? I don't know based on the time frame. Who has who any got, idea what was a normal name back then? Like Hamothy? I just kind of wonder <laughs> if they knew that he had killed Hamilton? Little, Littleberry or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, they're like hanging out. In California, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the great life. And they're like, oh, fuck. Killed Littleberry. That dude's here. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> they, yeah the newspapers weren't Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, did they know that he killed their cousin? And they're like all sitting there like, oh. They didn't have Twitter. Fuck my life. This dude just showed up. Did, like, you, tweet, did you see on Twitter there's a rumor going around you killed her cousin? <laughs> I saw it on Snapchat. Like, I saw bro. it on Snapchat. <laughs> so anyways, these guys, um, John, Ham, and William... They were alcoholics, gamblers, and murderers, just like Boone. Ran in the family. Man, it's a perfect perfect little group. fit right in immediately. They were peas in a pod. This is a funny story. (laughs) The foursome settled into drinking heavily one night and trading stories at a bar. Each one of them, they were trying to one-up each other, you know, with their stories. It was a proverbial sword fight, if you will. When Boone did... um, (laughs) 
the ultimate one-up. He said, and this is a direct quote, Many of the poor devil I've killed at one time or another, I've obliged to feed on them. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's This caused everyone just to fall silent. Like, oh... <laughs> Read the room. Did you, did you just say you fucking ate people? Dude? I know. Can you imagine your friend you just met being like, yeah, I eat people when I get hungry. <laughs> oh, so That's things... I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know what? I use the bathroom real fast. My ass is moving out of California. Yeah. <laughs> like, I ain't, I ain't fucking so, with this dude. Like, yeah, to expand on that, things were a little awkward after that. In California, Boone made lots of enemies. Just his rotten nature was enough for people to hate him. I mean, chances are you listening hate him, and I'm just simply relaying facts to you. So imagine knowing this douche in person. He's yeah, just that's a what I'm peach. saying. Like, <laughs> we've all had that friend that everyone's like, "Oh yeah, well this one time I did this, and this one," and they all, there's no, that one dead. friend that always says something crazy, and you're just yeah. everyone just stops and stares at him. Like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> What'd you just say? And they're like, I "What, dude? What, man? <laughs> I did. It was good." And everyone's just like, and then it just it, so I can understand, I can like feel the tension of him just doing that. Oh, it was yeah. He would indulge in many gunslinging duels, but unlike the other men who did it just to show off and posture, you know, Boone did it because he just loved to kill. His own cousins even started to tire of him, and they wanted him gone. Although. They were terrified of him, yeah, so they, like, they couldn't tell him that. Bro, you need to leave. I mean, no. He's scary. But luckily for them, Boone felt that it was time to leave, especially since the local law was after him for gunning down an innocent man while he was there in cold blood. Dude, so, Dying to gunfight people, yeah. talking about eating people. Yeah, the law enforcement's going to be like, hey, um, sir. So he took off chat. now for the Pacific Northwest. Mm. Yeah, but I imagine his cousins were like, bye, great to see you. Do you need anything for your trip, sir? Let me give you some money. Do you need money, a donkey, food, so you don't eat anybody on the way? Here's my donkey. I'll give you food so you don't have to eat a person on the way. (laughs) Just fucking go. So now Boone was on the road once more with the money that he had made and stolen in California. He had no fear of the law catching up to him since he didn't tell anyone where he was going. Boone had his sights set on Oregon. He'd met settlers on their wagons and scared the hell out of them with all of his exploits, telling them stories about his exploits in the Wild West. <laughs> so, so these are like, fam- again, they're party to- stories. Yeah, but these are like families and stuff traveling to Oregon. Yeah. Oregon Trail Days, all yeah. these kind of things. And they're all, you know, wagons are all traveling out there. And he's probably his lone dude. And they're like, he's like, hey, can I just. Can I ride with you? Can I hang with y'all? Can I settle mm-hmm. with y'all for the night or whatever? Y'all well, got food. Was, back then and they're it was like, this very- is one guy. Back then I was reading, it was very typical to, you travel in safety for numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And to avoid bandits. I mean, bandits. bandits are less likely to attack a train of wagons than Bandits won't attack trains single... of wagons. They won't, you know, animals, it's easier. Back then the tension with Native yeah. Americans was extremely high. Yep, very high. So, yeah, it makes sense. So these, these people are seeing this dude roll up and he's like, hey, can I just be with y'all? It's safer. And they're like, hey, yeah, yeah you're by yourself. Sure. And then he's sitting there talking to him. He's like, man, I eat people for fun. And they're like, what the? What the fuck is happening? My Uber's right here. My Uber is here. I gotta Bro, go. You gotta go. No. You can't stay here. But he actually became somewhat of a celebrity among, like I was telling you, among amongst the cutthroats and bandits. Makes sense. Because he's like the guy. He's the cutthroat and bandit. Everyone knew not to mess with him and he liked it that way. Yeah, he ate him. Oh yeah. He even made himself a core group of friends. It was a band of six men. 
who would rob and kill alongside him. And the pickings were rich on the roads to Oregon mm -hmm. with men who had made their fortune in California. Coming home or going there. Oh, yeah. I think about, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about regular mm -hmm. Oregon trip. When every time it was a gold rush, everyone's still trying to go to Oregon. Yeah. But now they're going to California first, making right. a shit ton of money. And they're like, peace, I'm going to North. Every person that Boone's band of thugs killed, they'd toss them on the side of the road, not giving them a second thought. So there was literally like a death trail following them. It was insane. It was an Oregon trail in general. Yeah. After getting into some trouble with the sheriff in Dallas Camp County, Oregon, the gang decided to head to the Utah Territory. This is funny. Um, well, not this part, but the part after. Word that a massive silver deposit had just been discovered there um, in the Utah Territory. Um, that had reached the gang, and they were going to stake their claim. More importantly, the whole territory was governed by Mormon leadership. Now, the gang wasn't that smart, and to them, they thought that this meant, since the Mormons then practiced polygamy, that the women were free, easy, and abundant. <laughs> so why wouldn't they travel there? <laughs> I Like, that is funny, but it's actually sound thinking if you're thinking like 18, early 1800s. Yeah, that they're so... I mean, there's... Or mid-1800s. They're thinking that... Mormon women. But everything, but you think everything so back stupid. then is like, you know, people, women aren't like they are today or, you know, it's yeah. not socially acceptable yeah. to have multiple partners and just be free and spirit and do whatever you're doing. Back then they're like, oh, these women have, these men have multiple women. They can just pick what they want. So right. in their minds, which obviously are fucking broken, they're like, <laughs> women are just like a fast food restaurant. You just and grab one and if go. If you're not familiar with polygamy, because some people aren't, it's just, um, that's when a man can take multiple wives. I think I believe it's illegal in most states, isn't it? It's illegal in most states in most countries. There are yeah. some places that were founded on With, yeah the Mormons those founded yeah. There's, there's certain areas that are where it's still where it's actually still legal in the U.S. Right. There's very few, but there are some. But yeah, because some people aren't familiar with it. Yeah, basically, instead of one man, one woman, he's like, I want eight wives. Oh gosh. The only place I really know of that I've been to like that is. I don't even know if it's like that in some places over in the Middle East, but that's yeah, places yeah, yeah. Where yeah. Certain people had, you know, ten wives or whatever. Absolutely. So the gang left town and headed for Utah in October of eighteen fifty nine. And the people of Oregon were like, Bye. Thanks for coming. <laughs> they were glad to see him go. Like, we wonder why this road stopped having people come up with. <sighs> Jeez, everybody's dead. So winter time was looming over the gang as they traveled to Utah. And blizzards, blizzards started to blind the men, and they had all become separated, and hypothermia had killed off most of Boone's gang. One man, though, who Boone would later recall as being named Burton, fell off his horse and nearly froze to death during a blizzard. But Boone, for whatever reason, saved his life, carrying him to an abandoned cab cabin on his horse to safety. He saved a life. When Burton came to... He was indoors, cozy, next to a fire, so he was grateful to Boone for saving his life. He was grateful for the brotherly bond that the pair had established over the last few months. He let himself fall into a deep sleep, feeling safe and comfortable for the first time since he could remember. I mean, think about it. He had been traveling for months. Burton woke up, though, seeing Boone looming over him with a bowie knife. It was only then that Burton realized he was tied up and bound and couldn't move. 
All the stories that Boone used to tell Burton about being a man-eater were more than just tall tales, and that was all too clear to Burton. Now, Boone's bowie knife was super dull, since he used it for absolutely everything out on the trail. He's but, hacked up like and 200 people and animals with it. too like, lazy shit. to ever sharpen it. So Doesn't like hard work. So he had to put all of his body weight on it to break through Burton's skin. Burton's alive, awake. Golly. Burton, of course, screamed in agony, but Boone kept sawing away through the skin, fat, and muscle with his dull knife until he reached the femur bone regard on his leg on his thigh mm-hmm. regardless of burton's screams no one was around to hear them anyways boone used his foot to stomp on the bone and break it before slicing through and severing the leg to completely roast it over the fire and feast on it do you like i'm y- y'all can't see me i wish y'all could see me right now the faces i'm making as she's describing this like do you understand You're how fucking dull Burton's awake for all of this. Just want to make that clear. I want to make it clear how dull a fucking knife has to be to do that. Yeah. That's basically like taking like a... It was a butter knife. Butter knife. It was a butter knife. Which actually might be sharper than this thing was. Could be. It gets worse. Sawing... No. It's a plastic knife you get from Taco Bell or one of those places. (laughs) A spork. And you're sawing their fucking leg with it. When Burton woke up, he passed out from the pain. Oh, shit. He woke up. And Boone was roasting his flesh, his own flesh, Burton's flesh, over the fire. I hate to say this, but Burton was then forced to eat his own meat so that he wouldn't starve to death. That probably is one of the grossest things I've ever heard. I think that bothers me more than the cannibalism, is being so hungry that you're forced to eat your own flesh. A few days later, Boone was outside chopping firewood. Burton was able to reach a revolver that Boone had left near him. The gun had one bullet, and Burton wasn't a great shot, so killing Boone probably wasn't an option. So he put the revolver in his mouth and pulled the trigger, ending his agony. When Burton returned and saw Boone dead, he decided it was time to pack up and leave before anyone could catch him with a dead body. So Boone packed up his gear, and before sawing off Burton's remaining leg, wrapping it tightly, and taking it on the road with him for nourishment. So he brought a snack with him, Burton's other leg, on the road. That's insane. And he carried it over his shoulder on horseback. <laughs> just, I'm just riding down the road. With a leg. With a leg on my shoulder because I'm hungry. Yep. I need my, my drumstick later. His winter isolation was over, and he could finally get himself to Salt Lake City, where there was Mormon women aplenty. <laughs> So he arrived at an encampment at, um, of the Shoshone Indians, and he was uh, he would rest there after his travels and his friend-eating adventures. The Shoshone tribe weren't friendly with the Mormon, settler, Mormon settlers of Utah, of course, since they effectively took their land, but they showed Boone a great kindness. They thought that he was a madman, and although they usually would kill a white man who wandered into their encampment, they felt sorry for him. You see the bat pattern that I was talking about, Pat, of how strangers are kind to Boone and he just takes advantage of them? Yeah, everyone's nice to him. I hate that. It's wasted on him. After a time, though, it was apparent that Boone was mooching off of them and the Indians were like, okay, we need to get rid of him. 
So they paid a merchant the named... Indians are trying to get rid of him back no, then. Yeah. So they paid a merchant named John W. Powell a few furs to take the crazy white man off their hands. And he did. This made me laugh. Like, there's a bunch of fur. <laughs> Here's a bunch of fur. Please take this crazy white guy. Well, back then, furs <laughs> sold for a lot. And they're, yeah. it's a lot easier to you know, barter for them mm -hmm. than it was to actually hunt down like buffalo and all these things. So if they're just throwing a bunch of fur at this dude, this dude's like... That's easy money. Yeah. Powell treated Boone very kindly on their way into the Utah Territory. And he gave him all the comforts he needed while traveling. He even gave him all the whiskey he could drink. Once they got closer to civilization near Salt Lake City, Burton took a peek inside of Boone's bag and saw that he had almost $1,400 in coins. You know how much money that was back then? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Surely Boone would give him a fraction of this for his kindness, but no. As soon as they stepped foot into Salt Lake City, Boone ditched John without so much as a thank you and walked away. Powell thought about retaliating, but something about Boone just told him he probably should just keep his mouth shut, and that's probably the smart thing yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I probably I could pick my flights. This one, have at my coins, buddy. Absolutely. Have a good day, sir. So, now let's talk about how Boone Helm became a Mormon hitman. <laughs> I told you this story's bananas. Wait, what? Is that a thing? <laughs> yes. The you Mormons are... were crazy, guy. Oh, my God. On a side note, there's a card game where you have to, like, and this is, I, I promise there's a point to this. There's a card game where you draw two, guard, two cards and they have two words. And, and, you, it's have like, to, it's and a, yeah. you have to sell them as a yeah. product. I, envisioning Mormon hitman is one of those. Absolutely. It's like, what the? No, if you look at the history of Mormons, they were brutal people back in the day. I haven't really looked into it. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So Boone was finally in Salt Lake City. A little background of how Salt Lake City, City was back then. Uh, it was a town divided. On one side, you had the Mormons who settled in Utah and were a persecuted sect of Christianity at that time that had been forced out to start new lives in the new world. They were originally from upstate New York, by the way, which I did not know. They wanted to build a new utopia where they were free to practice their religion, which included polygamy back then, and that was frowned upon. They didn't want to have the laws on their back. So before other people started to settle the land, the Mormons were able to share their land peacefully with the natives, so long as their city didn't extend over the lake into the natives' agreed-upon territory. It was only after the discovery of silver beneath the land that the Mormons claimed that entire state, that the Mormons claimed that the entire state started to become contested. The silver rush was treated just like the gold rush. The wealth could be distributed throughout the nation rather than just feeling the Mormons' pockets. You know what I mean? Well, this pissed off the Mormons, especially the fact that there were so many moralist, money-hungry people coming onto their new territory. So the Mormons, as people, didn't believe in violence. However, they were not opposed to hiring people to carry out violence that they needed to commit. This is where Boone came in. So the Mormons as people didn't believe in violence, but they weren't opposed to hiring people to carry out violence when they needed it. Oh, so they just wouldn't do it them damn selves. Right. Like, it's, it's bad if I do it, but Steve, you go do it. So this is where Boone came in for them. The dude wasn't in town five minutes before he got himself arrested after a drunken bar fight. <laughs> Instead of sending him to jail, he was locked up in a prominent Mormon mm -hmm. leader's basement. And they're like, hey... 
Yeah. You can do some shit for us, can't you? You see, they had heard tales about Boone. He was a mad man who had made the na- a name for himself, and they wanted to hire him to take care of uh, two local miners who were wreaking havoc around town. In other words, they wanted Boone to off these guys. Boone was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, he didn't need a lot of <laughs> convincing. Oh, are you going to pay me for this? Like, you're just going to take care of me for this? Shit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Boone went and found his first victim. The unassuming guy was pissed drunk and peeing on the side of the road. And Boone came up behind him and shot him in the base of the neck. He shot the other guy dead in the street soon after as he was trying to flee. But even though he had been hired by prominent Mormon leaders, Boone was hated in the community for his violent acts, and he had to skip town. Oh, yeah. They're not going to, like, yeah. claim that, like, no, hey, we not. did that shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's not going to get any support from him. Yeah, the whole town, aside from the law, was against him, and that's not a very safe scenario for him, I guess. No, you don't want to be where everybody hates you. So, what was Boone going to do? He had no money left. He'd blown through his stolen wealth. Well, $1,400 of it, plus the profit he made from the assassinations. Blew through that, probably drank it away. Luckily, he was able to find a mercenary militia that was what fighting <laughs> that was fighting um, against the Ute Nation Indian tribe. Is there, like, vampires or werewolves in this? Because this shit is insane. He, it's bananas. I'm telling you, it's bonkers. I don't know how I haven't heard he's, of this in, guy. He's part of a military militia. He mm-hmm. was a cannibal out on the Oregon Trail. He was a damn Mormon hitman. <laughs> what the fuck? It's crazy. So, Boone would become... Um, he began a career of war crimes, effectively. He would become widely known for his foul treatment of the Native American women, unfortunately, that he captured. He would rape and torture them mm-hmm. before killing them. But after a while, war became just too much work and not enough pay for Boone. Yeah, I'm not getting... Well, yeah, no <laughs> shit. I know that one all too well. <laughs> yeah. was, Courtney was asking me what I was doing a minute ago. I was texting my cousin, who's military also. So I'm telling you, it's not a lot of pay for what you do. No. It's not. Not enough pay. Especially back then with how gruesome life yeah. was back then. So, Boone was growing to miss the quote-unquote easy life he had in Oregon. I guess he must have been a charismatic dude because when Boone decided to desert his militia post, another scout or a militia man elected to tag along with him. They decided, the pair decided to make their way to Caribou, which is a range east of uh, British Columbia near the Rocky Mountains, because they had heard, they had heard that uh, gold dust was being panned and mined in great it's not quantities. Canada. Yeah. The two uh, took a break to rest, eat, and get drunk in a town called Antler Creek on the 18th of July, 1862. Everyone noticed Boone's arrival. Remember, he's kind of a folk legend. <laughs> this dude's like got to be historic at this point. Around, around Around like the, uh, you know, the Wild West areas, the outlaw areas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was here that Boone and his buddy would be arrested for killing a group of French miners traveling with $30,000. That's a lot of money worth of gold. It's like running around with a couple million I these know. days. He had also held up and robbed another miner named W.T. Collinson. For four weeks, Boone worked in a chain gang doing backbreaking labor as a sentence. Mm. By the way, 
A chain game, just so you know, is when a group of prisoners are literally chained together. They're shackled together, and you have to work all day, like back-breaking work. They're pretty much breaking rocks. Yeah, it's crazy work out in the heat. So, it was in prison that he met an unsavory character named Dirty Harris. (laughs) Why do they always have these names like Dirty Harris or like Slick Will? Like, what? (laughs) Okay. We get some more cool names here coming up. Sweet. It worked out that they were both released on the same day. So, the pair, they're bros now, they decided to leave town together. And, of course, they were about to be up to no good. So, Boone and Dirty... (laughs) I don't know what to call him. Dirty Harris? Dirty works. <laughs> dirty Harris. Harris. Dirty Harris just sounds weird. Just dirty. Dirty. Boone and Dirty passed through Sumas near uh, Vancouver in the spring of 1863. By some twist of fate, the duo ran into W.T. Collinson. Remember the man that they robbed in they Antler Creek? They robbed him. He was wintering there. Usually, Boone would have just murdered him on the spot since they had beef. But Collinson had tons of friend and friends in Sumas. 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 To include the sheriff, so it's not a great idea. Plus, this dude probably just got robbed. Yeah. Not so long ago, so he's probably, if he's running that kind of money, he probably hired some security and oh, some probably. thugs to run around with him, so he's probably got an entourage. Probably. So the guy was probably like, eh, it's not a good idea. So Boone and Dirty, they left town with their legs, tail between their legs, super pissed because they didn't get to kill anyone. Collinson was well aware of all the crimes Boone had had committed, and word got around in those days, so he reported him to British authorities, and Boone was deported back to the U.S. to stand trial for the crimes that he had committed there. That's interesting, because I forgot that Canada was still a British province yeah. back then. Yeah, I know. I had to look. I'm like, what are the British authorities doing there? And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> that. British Columbia. Yeah. While in custody in Canada, awaiting deportation, authorities asked Boone where his traveling buddy was, Dirty Harris. Where'd he go? He was nowhere to be found when they apprehended Boone. Boone ate him? Boone simply said, I ate him. Oh my God. I didn't even, I just <laughs> threw that fuck out there. And I tend to believe him. <laughs> I even believe if he didn't, him. that's a great alibi because everyone knows this dude eats people. Yeah, exactly. Now Boone was on the run and he got as far as the rolling hills outside of San Francisco. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I missed a part of my notes. Of course, Boone worked his charm on the guard, and during his trip south back to the States, Boone convinced the guard to take his shackles off before they turned in for the night, and Boone Boone escaped. Mm. It's easy to do back then. They didn't have, you know, high security. Plus, they were in transport. You take his shackles off, and they're out in the middle of nowhere. You took a horse and took off. Exactly. You're not going to find them if you don't see them right away. Now, Boone was on the run, and he got as far, he got pretty far, he got as far as the rolling hills outside of San Francisco, which were... That's far. That's far. He made it from Canada to San Francisco. He, he got pretty far. At that time, that was just farmlands. Once again, the kindness of a stranger saved Boone from starvation. It was a nice rancher. He invited Boone in and fed him and gave him a place to stay and all the whiskey he could drink. Boone uh, mooched off this kind old man for weeks while he gathered his strength. But because Boone is an absolute psychopath, he murdered the rancher in his sleep and stole everything he could carry on his back, as well as one of the rancher's horses. Boone was now headed to Oregon. He really likes Oregon. He made a lot of money there. He made a lot of money, but he liked it. Boone stopped in Florence, Oregon, and once again, everyone there had heard of him. 
this would basically be a repeat of what happened in Salt Lake City with the Mormons. Boone was offered a substantial sum of money by a wealthy local to get rid of a menace in the town, mm -hmm. a man named Dutch Fred. He was also known as Chief, by the way. And Boone did just that. He shot Dutch right through the heart in a local saloon in front of many witnesses. This, now, dude, has, this dude does not give a fuck. He does not give a flying fuck. He literally is <clears> like, <throat> everyone knows who he is. So now he's showing up in town and everyone's like, ooh, it's you. And there's always this rich person in town that's like, hey, hey, I got a problem. Can you fix it? Can you, if I give you some money, because you're probably <laughs> kind of broke right now. If I give you some food and money, can you do this? And he's like, take care of this problem. Fuck, you want me to kill it? Whatever. It's you like don't a Tuesday, care. dude. Whatever. But, but this time was different. Boone, after he killed Dutch, he went to collect his payment for the hit. And the man that paid him slammed the door in his face. Claimed he didn't know him and threatened to turn him in. He'd been pumped. <laughs> so a cold-blooded killing like this was unheard of in Florence, Oregon. And as Boone was fleeing for the Canadian border, don't know why he went back, to, wanted to go back to Canada, but he was apprehended for his crime. He was brought to Portland where he would be jailed awaiting extradition back to Florence. It's crazy because... I get why he went to Canada because mm -hmm. he was in another part of Canada. He hasn't yeah. been up there much yet, but he couldn't go to California. They knew him. Couldn't go back to Utah. They knew him. Couldn't stay in Oregon. They knew him. And you're telling this story and I'm just envisioning and I may be way off, but I think like just he, this dude literally just walked into the bar when everyone's just hanging out, doing their thing. Cause there ain't shit to do back then in Oregon. They're hanging out. Having, he just walked in the bar, shoots a dude in the chest and I wonder out. if they promised him protection or something. Like he literally just walked in and shot him and walked out like it was nothing. And then he's like, mm, can't stay here. Where do I go? Can't go south. They yeah, all know me. They the all guy, know me everywhere. The prominent guy was like, oh, I'm going to turn you in. I have nothing to do with you, sir. What did yeah. you, What happened? Well, Boone spent three, uh, six whole months in isolation in Portland. I mean, was it in Portland? Yeah. In um, Portland, waiting to be extradited back to Florida. He was finally escorted by stagecoach back to Florence. Florida. Back to Florence to stay in trial. You'd think that six months of isolation would have broken him, but it didn't. He was seriously a different breed of human. He was isolated his whole life. Yeah, he really was. He had, he had been through it before. I mean, he'd been isolated for months and days and weeks on end. Yeah. The, I mean, he's just isolation. He, he's better in isolation. Once back in Florence, somehow no witness was willing to come forward to, say that. to say that they had seen Boone shoot Dutch. Even though his murder was witnessed by damn near the whole town. So why? Because this dude has literally have a reputation for killing and eating people all over <laughs> the western United States. And he just walked into a bar in the middle of front of everybody and shot him. And then I'll guarantee you that prominent dude probably paid people off or something. The real reason will surprise you. Oh, okay. Well, word of his arrest. Remember, he had been gone six months in isolation jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> word of his arrest had gotten back to um, Boone's brother, old Tex, who now lived in Texas. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I thought there was going to be some kind of crazy thing. I should have known. Tex had made a trip to Oregon. He had a lot of money. He owned his own business. And he went and paid off every possible witness for his brother. See, I thought, it was a gonna, good I thought it was going to be the guy that paid, that hired him. Yeah, But no. that makes sense. So Boone was now a free man. What the fuck? 
Tex even offered Boone to return back to Texas with him to work at his mineral company that he owned. No, we don't want you down here. But Boone wasn't ready for that, thank God. Instead of letting his brother down, though, he told him he'd think about it as they made their journey south together. Yeah, he's going to peace out on him. When the duo reached Idaho, they got as far as Idaho, Boone left his brother in the middle of the night after all he'd done for him. So basically, Tex just said, screw you, and went on with his life. He was done with his brother after that, which mm-hmm. can't blame him. But don't worry, karma is about to catch up the old Boone here. Little, little Patrick hot take on this one. Yeah. It always drives, it always baffles me when you talk about the people taking the Oregon Trail and stuff like that and traveling from like Texas or, uh, you know, we talked about 1883, you talk about this, everyone's going from Texas to Oregon, Oregon to Why the hell did they go all the way up to Montana and Idaho and then turn left? Like, that is long as shit. You could go like half the distance if well, you went on a straight line. Well, they also are avoiding, remember, they're also avoiding rivers. They're also avoiding no yeah. native territories. Well, they, yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're also avoiding the Ute and Navajo. They're going where the hunting is plenty. They're going, yeah. I think more of it was, avo- of, you're right, was avoiding, yeah. avoiding, you know, Colorado River, all those. and then like, Yeah, because they have to cross those. The mountains. Can't go around it. <laughs> and then the Ute Territory, the Navajo mm-hmm. Territory, Cherokee Territory. Like, you clearly didn't want to cross that crap. No. Karma's about to catch up with Boone, though, finally. This is his undoing. So, in the months after Boone's separation from his brother's Tex, from his brother Tex, Boone killed over a dozen men (laughs) on his way to Montana, just as he does. (laughs) Killed a dozen men. So, he's in Montana now. In the Montana Territory, a gang called the Innocence Gang ran the roads. Even law enforcement wouldn't mess with them. They were bad dudes. They had their headquarters at Rattlesnake Ranch, and they were pretty sophisticated for their time. They even had cells in different mining settlements that spied on gold shipments, and they passed on information using code. Yeah, it's pretty impressive for back then. Now, this group got word of Boone's arrival in town. Remember, everybody knows him. They're like, oh no, (laughs) hell no. And they quickly were able to intercept him before he could steal from them. After working his charm, Boone was invited to join their merry band of outlaws. Good lord. What is it about this guy? How is this dude charming? I know. Well, then again, he does have a unique set of skills. Very. That they could utilize. They're like, this Just his reputation precedes him. He will literally kill anyone for any reason. He doesn't give a crap. They could use someone with that reputation. So Boone started his new life of intercepting miners, killing them, and stealing their wealth. There it is. He was doing what he loved. He was getting paid for it, and he was untouchable by the law. Yeah, he the, was living his dream. The law's afraid of this gang. The gang's like, hey, you're nuts. Come work for us. Be nuts, and we'll pay you. Just go kill whoever you want to as long as they have money. Actually, it took no time at all before he would even be considered to be the leader of the Innocence Gang. <laughs> They're probably all terrified of his ass. They are. They were. He proved himself over and over again with them. Now, in October, Boone cemented his reputation with the cold-blooded slaughter of the Cavalier brothers. He went out riding alone with his cohorts named Alex Carter and Bob Zachary. They remained hidden in the tree line while Boone opened fire, killing both of the Cavalier brothers. And he then stole everything that they had. Montana just by this time had had enough of the violence. And the law would no longer protect the Innocence Gang. And that was clear when they developed, when the miners of Montana formed their own vigilance committee, committee against the Innocence Gang. Yeah, these miners are either trying to make a living, trying to support their families, trying to like make a life for themselves. And these dudes are just 
It was one thing when they were just taking their money. Yeah. This guy comes in. Now he's fucking killing everybody. Right. And taking their money. So they're like, hey, it was one thing when you were just like taking a piece. Yeah. But they were paying you like a tax, if you will. But now he's taking it for himself. Now you're just killing everyone and taking everything. But they formed the community. They were like, okay, that's enough of this. They formed this vigilance committee and they soon began to extract the names of the gang members because they were all incognito. Nobody knew who was in the gang. It's a lynch mob. And, it's um, a lynch mob. They formed a lynch mob. One name even being the former sheriff of the town was in the gang. Which would explain why law enforcement wouldn't touch him. At the time. And now they were because he was no longer sheriff. Most of the innocents gang were neither flog- were either flogged or banished as pu- punishment if they weren't known to have been flogged. overly violent. That was only reserved for the non-violent members. But many more of the violent ones, they were arrested. It wasn't long before Boone was arrested, and he was thrown into a cell pending trial along with his cohorts, where they spent their days playing cards and exchanging stories like they had done so many times before. They were effectively a family at this point. They had been together for a long time. Yeah, they're just chilling, playing cards like, fuck these dudes. I've been been here before. Right. Soon, in the town square, Boone was brought out alone to stand trial for his crimes. Boone was asked to swear on the Bible... (laughs) That he would tell the truth, and he very oddly placed his lips on the Bible and kissed it, then immediately began accusing all of the other Innocence Gang members of committing the crimes in his stead. He basically pinned everything on his friends, saying, I didn't do anything. <laughs> he was still found guilty. Well, he's Thankfully. doing it in front of people. Like, this dude has no chill. No chill. Like, he's walking up in a groups of people all over. He's got a reputation for just walking into bars. Yeah. And just shooting people. And he's like, I didn't do it. They, they did it all. Okay, whatever, dude. So after he was found guilty, he was sentenced to hang. And um, 3,000 people turned up to witness his execution. And man, was he about to put on a show. Well, he's like, fuck. Think about it. He's like fucking Ted Bundy. Of the Pacific Northwest in the 1800s. Like, he is famous for the shit he's done. So, four members of the gang were set to hang together for their crimes. The first to have the box kicked out from under him. You know, they put you up on a box and then they kick it out from under you to hang. Barrel, whatever Yeah, The first to have the box kicked out from under him was a guy named Three-Fingered Jack. Three-Fingered. They had the best (laughs) names back then. I'm sorry. He was standing next to Boone. As Jack was dying... Swinging from side to side, Boone yelled out, Kick away, old fellow. It's my turn next. I'll be in hell with you in a minute. This is crazy. (laughs) Brace yourselves. Boone didn't even give the hangman a chance to kick the box out from under him. Boone would yell out, Every man for his principles. Hurrah for Jeff Davis. Let her rip. Then he leapt from his box with enough force that the fall snapped his neck. (laughs) It gets worse. On the backswing, his dead body hit the man on the other side of him waiting to be executed, knocking the box out from under him, causing him a slow, agonizing, strangling death. Yeah, that's just some crazy shit. <laughs> Stoops like, Can you imagine the crowd? I'm out, bitches. Oh my god. Literally, even in death, Boone rained down death and destruction all around him. He was just Pure chaos. Pure evil. That is... Insane. Probably the Bananas. first time in this entire story I'm over here laughing. Because oh that is... God. I mean, it's not funny. I mean, yeah, they all deserve to die. They all are sentenced to death. But that dude was just not... 
He wasn't even having it. He was like, you're not doing this shit. I'm no. doing it to myself. And in his doing that, he takes do out other too. people with him. Like, <laughs> damn, bro. He's pure chaos. He is pure chaos. So, Boone's body was buried in Boot Hill Cemetery in Virginia City, Montana, where you can still visit his grave, if you're so keen, to this day. I will post a picture of his grave site on my Instagram, yeah. So, the question of the day is, was Levi Boonhelm a product of his time where bloodshed was far more normal and there were duels every day at the local tavern, or was he born evil? I And we pose this question about every, every single person we talk about. I think both, right? Mm-hmm. This dude, we've talked about in the beginning, he had to be pulled off as a kid from beating kids to death. Like, mm-hmm. This dude was a predator and was a killer. That's all he was. But he was put in a time and in a place. I'm talking about the Pacific Northwest, Oregon Trail, basically Western United States, which was bandit land. Mm-hmm. You made a living off killing and stealing. Yeah. What better place for a monster that only wants to kill? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's hundreds of them since then that we've talked about a bunch of them. If you would put them in that situation, they would have gone crazy. Like, put Ted Bundy with the Innocence Gang. He's going to be... Stealing and killing and raping all the women that are out there. You put him on an Oregon trail, he's going to be raping every woman that they steal from and mm-hmm. killing them. You put the vampire out there, Vampire mm-hmm. Sacramento. Richard Trenton. He's going to do the same shit. All these guys are going to do the same thing. This situation was just prime. Yeah. There was no law enforcement. The life expectancy out on the Oregon trail was so low. Like It was such a hard journey. that band- I mean, bandits lived out there killing and stealing as a living. If you're a murderer, you're just... Mm-hmm love killing people, what else would you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the way I feel, I pulled a quote from my boy Ryan Green in his book that he wrote about this lovely gentleman, Boonhelm. And it's, he Ryan Green just knows how to use his words to convey his thoughts in a way that I never will be able to. And this is beautifully put. He says, If we were to take Boone out of this time and transport him to an earlier age when the world was more savage still, then he would have been a king amongst men, richly rewarded for his prowess in combat and his willingness to slaughter all those who so much looked at him funny. If you were to take him and place him in a more civilized age, like today, then his appearance, demeanor, and actions would, instead, file him neatly among others who kill earning themselves fame for the murders that they commit, not for any personal gain, but out of compulsion. Taken out of context of the Old West, it becomes clear that Boone Helm was a serial killer and nothing more. And that sums it up. That is 100% true, because if it was modern day, Mm -hmm. we'd be talking about him like BTK, Mm -hmm. Ramirez, Bundy, Gacy. Yep. But you put him him 1,500 years ago... We're talking about him mm-hmm. like Eric the Red. Yeah. Like Ragnar Lothbrok. Yeah, he like was almost a folk Alexander legend. Alexander the Great. A like, folk legend, right? Like almost. Roman Roman Caesars and Roman emperors that mm-hmm. ran like because they're just bloodlust and they would became like the heads of the world. Or yeah. not even those people because they were considered more civilized. But you to you go to you know the Gauls, the barbarian hordes, all these like less civilized civilizations back in the day. The greatest warrior was the king, the one that would kill everybody. Was it? And sometimes was even deity made into deity, godlike figures. Yeah. Look at Thor and all those. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at all those in the history, the Celtics and all these, you know, other you know 
well, I don't know how to describe it, but you look at all these, not empires, but groups of people, the mm-hmm. warrior, the best warrior was the leader. So, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, dude, the dude hit it. Ryan hit it so good because mm-hmm. 200, 2,000 years ago, 100%. Yeah. Even in the same time frame, if he had been a part of, you know, possibly the U tribe or, mm-hmm. or the Navajo tribe, he may have ascended have there revered. as the warrior. Mm-hmm. Take no shit from anybody. He will clear out the others. Right? Yeah. But you're right. Today's day, today's day and age, he civilized, is civilized quote, unquote, world. He's mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper. He is everything we see in all these other. He's a serial killer. Horrible mom. He's a serial killer. He's mm-hmm. H.H. Holmes. He's Jack the Ripper. He's yep. Daisy. He's any of the one. You can name a hundred of them. He's all of them. Yep. So I totally agree with that statement. And I think that. And that's a great way to sum up that episode because we talk about the Wild Wild West. But Thank that you, sums it up. That sums it up saying doesn't matter. It was Wild Wild West. Yeah. He was still a fucking monster. He was a monster. I don't care what time he's in. He was I wouldn't a, want to run into him no matter what time. That dude had no purpose on this earth other than killing. Yeah. That's all he was born and bred to do. Mm-hmm. Whether his family raised him to do it. Which they didn't. He, to me, is, back to what we always talk about, he, to me, was born that way. Mm-hmm. He just he was. found the right circumstances. Because he didn't kill as much in the beginning until he hit that open trail out west where people were vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You could steal and survive by killing. Mm-hmm. And he just... He was, he was born evil. He was. He was born evil. In the right place in the right time. Because look at his actions when he was a young child. He was just bad. In the right place in the right time, he thrived. Yeah, exactly. He would not have thrived in modern day society because if he acted the way he was, he probably would have been a juvie by the time he was 15. Oh, absolutely. He may have never left the system. Yeah. He may have been a lifelong inmate because of his violent... You know, how many times are you going to let somebody get out and beat the crap out of somebody? Yeah. How many assault Repeat charges offender. before you're like, dude, <clears throat> that's like your 54th. Yeah, exactly. So... So that is the story of Levi Boonhelm, and I was surprised I've never heard of him, and now we know. <laughs> it's a freaking nutty story, It's man. a nutty story, but I'm happy if you haven't heard the story. I'm, you told me I was going to enjoy this one, and by the end of it, I'm smiling, because I'm like, that is crazy. It's crazy. It's bananas. It's bonkers. and It's, it's barely believable. It's barely believable. Makes me wonder, but even by all accounts, it happened. I mean, it's... I know you did your research. I know it's real. Yep. It's just this. It's one of those stories that's so far fetched. It's almost like folklore. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like you wonder sometimes if some of these stories got exaggerated mm-hmm. throughout history. Like you don't understand how fucking nuts this dude was. Oh, he was. I'm telling you, I I can't believe that I am still shocked by some of these people. But people oh. never these cease to one- amaze me. These are the ones. That kill me, and these are the ones why I love this this podcast we do, is because you bring up to me. Clearly, we do the Ted Bundy. Mm, yeah, you have to. It's like the. I hate to glamorize it, but it's the homage to a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Robert Hansen, mm-hmm. another like just it's it's another homage to these top level serial killers. And again, I'm not glamorizing by any means. I'm no. not glorifying. They're them. fascinating, but they are fascinating. But when you hear about these other ones, like boom. Mm-hmm. You've never heard of in your life, and you listen to do to what they do. The, the the Vampire Sacramento. Which one was the first one we did? Was it the elephant? Uh, no, the gorilla killer. The gorilla killer. Mm-hmm. Like you hear about these guys, elephant. What am I thinking? <laughs> the elephant killer. <laughs> the elephant Titus killer. Like, whatever. Did we do an elephant? <laughs> no, I was thinking about how big his hands were and, and all that stuff. I can't remember what I had for breakfast, so we might have done an elephant. Who knows? But you think about these guys. It's fascinating that they aren't as known because they they're they're on the same level. These guys are on even greater levels than some I would of these. Say a greater level, yeah, for sure. Ones. 
yeah. and that comes into just you know time and place. Yeah, absolutely. The age of social media, news, TV, uh, radio. Those serial killers since the 1930s, mm-hmm. everyone past then is going to be more glorified because it's much more. Yeah. So I, I have to correct myself. In our first episode, the gorilla killer, I said that this was um, America's. That um, what was his name? Feral was America's first serial killer. And I have to kind of take that back. Well, he was the one that was first classified as a serial killer. A serial sex killer. Serial sex. That's what it was. H.H. Holmes killer. was supposedly America's first serial killer. Is Boone Helm our first serial is killer? Is he? But is there... But or again, did they it, even use that term? So, well, no, they didn't. But they didn't use that term. But even then... Since they weren't classified could as there such there have been someone then? before that that was doing the same amount of savagery that just wasn't told. Well, I Stories would imagine out. there were more serial killers back then because it was more acceptable to kill more people back then. And it was nothing for somebody to, you know, kill 30 oh, people in I'm their sure life just nothing, in defending their family. I'm sure it was nothing to go on the Oregon Trail and meet people meet people. Yeah. <laughs> meet people, air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, that had killed 30, 40, 50, 60 people. Just defending their family or their land. Or just the bandits. Yeah. They could have killed upwards of 100 people. So there was lots of serial killers. Boone Helm just sticks out because he was savage even amongst the savages. He yeah, he just stood among... He was, he was on another, another level. He was on sure. another like existence compared to the rest of them. Well, I hope that y'all learned something new today and we blew your mind just a little bit. And blew my mind. Good. I like that. I like doing that. And join us next week. I'm excited about our episode from next week. We're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. Hopefully I get this damn tech crap fixed you will i I know i have faith i'll get it done (laughs) but we love you guys be good to each other and as always let me know if you have any case recommendations go to you can email us at what's our our email (laughs) evil pudding podcast at gmail.com or instagram instagram i'm still working on facebook i'm trying to do it the right way i'm trying to do it the podcast creator one yeah a bunch of steps so if you do know how to do that feel free to reach out to us because i have no idea i'm struggling Help us. Help me. Help me. But yeah, reach out. Give us your case recommendations. Every time y'all recommend a case, I do it. So just want to give you guys what you want. Be good to each other. We love you. And we will see you back here next week. Bye.